to this the latest episode of the curated culture i am your gracious humble host rob aka robbie diesel and i want to thank you guys so very much for pressing play on the latest episode of the pod hey how are you how's it going how's your week been so far you uh you get that thing done that you've been talking about doing? Did you start those classes? You should, if you haven't. Time is just going to keep on flying by. You might as well. Yeah, I remember those Everest commercials, like Everest College or whatnot, where Homeboy was literally just, like, demeaning you in the street. <laughs> like, like, you hate your job anyway. You might you might as well go on to Everest College. Those are the best. I love those. I miss those types of commercials. And the uh, the one with the hip-hop chick. Get connected for free at Education Connection. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm off to a whiz-bang start at the opening of this show. Um, how are you guys doing? I appreciate you all for checking out uh, this episode of the pod. We got a fun one for you this time around. We're going to switch up the format a little bit. Um, You know how I I love and adore my single topic podcast episodes. And this one um, is going to be pretty fun, I think, and maybe even mildly engaging because I am going to bless you all with the gift of of the Flanagan verse. Yeah. 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 The Flanagan verse. If you're not familiar, there are a, uh, there's a set of shows on Netflix that were created and directed by Mike Flanagan. And, um, man, these shows are just absolutely stellar top to bottom, start to finish. Um, I'll be talking about them in no particular order, and then at the end, I'll give you my ranking in terms of which ones um, I loved the most and which ones I loved just a little bit less. So stay tuned for that. We'll talk about the shows. We'll talk about why I like them and why you should check them out. And um, if you haven't seen them just yet, and uh, I guess I should mention... These shows in particular, there's five of them. There's uh, Haunting of Hill House. There's The Haunting of Bly Manor. There's Midnight Mass. The Midnight Club. And then most recently, The Fall of the House of Usher. I'll be talking about these shows a little bit in the detail. I will try not to get too spoilery for those of you who have not seen these shows yet looking at you Riri looking dead at you get on it finish all of the shows all of them no more excuses no more I saw a little bit of it and I just want to get it out of my brain no finish them now 
if you haven't finished them by the time you listen to this show you may you may even want to skip past a few um just so you don't have it spoiled for you um but i'll try to avoid those i'll do my best at least but before we get into the meat and potatoes of the show, of course, we have to take care of a little bit of business. And that business is making sure that you're aware of all the different ways that you can follow and support the brand, the show, myself. And there's a multitude of ways, the first of which being, however, you're hearing the sound of my super smooth velvety voice you need to make sure that you have subscribed to the pod it's a very easy thing to do usually there's a button that says subscribe or follow the show Uh, make sure you do that that way you don't miss an episode when we upload on our new day of wednesday Yes, we used to upload on Mondays and now we're in the middle of the week on Wednesday. Give you a little bit of time to get your stuff together so that you don't miss an episode as we upload. So make sure that you hit that follow or subscribe button. And while you're at it, make sure you drop us a five star rating or review that helps us out in the algorithms gets us in front of more eyes and into more ears, which coincidentally enough helps further my plot for world domination via the audio space. Now, if that's not your thing, which I hope that it is, you should support your boy. Then make sure that you're following us over on the socials via at the curated culture on Facebook and Instagram at underscore curated culture on X. And then you can follow me personally on a whole bevy of social media platforms. Just look for Robbie Diesel and I will pop up virtually everywhere. If you like video content, guess what? I got you covered. YouTube.com slash Robbie Diesel. And then, of course, if you like literature, if you like reading words and fancy takes on things, I got a whole ass website that you can go to. That is the curatedculture.com. Make sure you swing on over there. Check it out. And uh, yeah, support the boy. I, I, uh, I supremely appreciate you all. So without further ado, I think we should go ahead and get into the show, right? But of course, let's do it. So here we are. And I want y'all to know this one thing before I get going on my diatribe here, my dialogue. Um, I am in my house, in my bedroom. Lights are off. Pitch black I'm immersed I'm locked in because I really really thoroughly enjoy these shows and I want to talk to you about them today these shows of course as mentioned in the open to the podcast if you skipped it shame on you I'm talking about the series created by legendary horror icon mastermind whatever you want to call him mr mike flanagan um who also um directed dr sleep which i think is an underrated horror film um but yeah there's a series of shows there's five to be exact on netflix 
um, A Haunting of Hill House, The Haunting of Bly Manor, Midnight Mass, The Midnight Club, and The Fall of the House of Usher. And, man, all of these shows are just stellar shows. I love them all because of the unique spin that they bring to not only horror or thriller shows, um, but how they topically approach different things, whether it be the dynamic of a family or a long lost love or um, faith in religion or dealing with mortality and relationships at a young age. And then, of course, um, you know, a modern day take on these, you know, um, forget the name of it, but these rich and powerful families that have generational wealth passed down, but we we never really know at what cost. Um, These are all different tales spun different ways. And right off of the bat, one of my single favorite things about all of the Flanagan shows and all of the Flanagan series is that they typically use a, um, I don't want to say a revolving cast. It is a revolving cast, but he also tends to lean on the same actors and actresses across the different shows. So you get... A somewhat familiar vibe, but also the actors and actresses will play like entirely different um, parts in each one of the shows. So in one show, they may be a sweetheart and, you know, have a heart of gold. And in the next, they're just this villainous, vile, dastardly asshole. And they play the parts so well. And... I am a fan of well-written shows, well-written projects in general I love. And when I tell you that some of these shows, specifically Midnight Mass and The Fall of the House of Usher, have some of the best inter-character dialogue I have ever heard in my life that that is a fact like I was blown away by how Flanagan weaved these tales in between these very different very delicate subject matters but also maintaining dialogue between the characters that doesn't bore you to death and in fact um, lets you into their psyche that much deeper than probably any other project I've, I've ever witnessed. So um, I want to start at the beginning, which uh, the very first project that um, Mike Flanagan brought to us is A Haunting of Hill House. And this show in particular, ironically enough, I remember hearing about it while I was at New York Comic Con. It was in like 2016, something like that. And um, at the time, the cast of characters were, you know, kind of relatively unknown with the exception 
of the gentleman who plays the dad in um, Hill House. And he plays a lot of other characters in Mike Flanagan's um, shows. Uh, the dad from Hill House is the little child, the little kid from E.T., the movie E.T., which was fantastic. And they kind of ribbed him about that. Um, I remember watching a panel as they introduced the cast of uh, Haunting of Hill House. And again, you know, it was just relatively unknown, upstart cast of characters. And everybody is talking about the show and how great it is and how much fun it was to be a part of. And Flanagan himself is being really, really, you know, timid and and almost trepidatious about talking about how good the show was but at the same time like man my god had he made the bold statement like this may be one of the best things I've ever done I back then I probably wouldn't have believed him but after watching it it's just like oh my god it's incredible it's a fantastic show um, so a haunting of Hill house is basically about, uh, the crane family and they all come together after the death of a sibling and, um, it becomes apparent that the relationship amongst the siblings and the conflict between them is the center, the highlight of the show. And as much as the characters themselves are accented in the show, as the story progresses, you learn that the house itself is just as big a character as anybody, any one actor or actress. There's a lot of trauma to be discussed. There's a lot of um, uh, conflict that is to be discussed and each one of the siblings, you know, has their, their story or their background explored in the different episodes of the show. And it all reaches this, this fantastic crescendo towards the end where, um, we finally find out, you know, exactly what happened the last night that they stayed all together in, um, in Hill house and there is uh there's a particular poltergeist or a ghost uh that haunts the family uh named the bent neck lady and um that reveal of of who and what the bent neck lady was is just uh just masterful it's fantastic and this is one of those shows where like atmosphere is everything and listening to the conflict between the characters and, and listening to, um, you know, the, the different bonds between the two, especially the twins. There's a pair of twins that have this really stellar bond between them. And, and you just know that, um, <laughs> unfortunately, that bond is, is going to be the, the cause of their undoing. Um, and you just, you can't turn away because of the story that's being told. And, um, I really, I enjoyed it. I loved it. I loved it quite a bit. And, um, I definitely think it's one of those shows that, um, that do just a, a great job of accenting and, um, really exploring, you know, how families oftentimes deal with drama, 
uh, or trauma, I should say, um, through grief and through conflict simultaneously. Um, they, they can be mistaken for each other. Um, but at times when you're going through it, they become unrecognizable. You don't know which is which. And I think that is, um, that's kind of the central theme of this show. And, uh, again, man, kudos to, to Flanagan for, uh, for weaving this, this tale. It was, it was a great show. Um, transitioning over to the haunting of Bly Manor. Um, I liked, I liked this show too. Um, it was definitely a wild change of pace from, um, the haunting of Hill house just solely because it ends up, it ends up working almost like a love story that is wrapped in between a horror movie (laughs) if that makes any sense um like the main character who uh plays one of the twins from uh hill house is um you know a uh an american who moves to the uk after uh the death of her fiance and she wants to start fresh and she becomes a uh, a nanny of sorts to these two children and uh the parents are you know traveling internationally and uh big rich family again and they live in this huge house and there is of course a, a staff uh at the house as well there's a chef there's a groundskeeper um there's a general um like family cohort basically she raised the children just as much as the actual nanny did uh, there's an uncle involved who the uncle ends up being, um, played by the same gentleman that played the dad in Hill House. And, um, I think it's a really, um, I think it's a really cool show. Um, it was, it was a little slower paced than Hill House. Um, and, uh, the story of, of the main character, um, you kind of really start to pull for her and and you want her to overcome this, this grief that she herself is experiencing after the death of her fiance, while also trying to figure out how to navigate the complexities of her new role, um, and taking care of these children who also are dealing with a trauma of their own. And, um, I, I like how it was blended between the two. Um, there's a really, really big, powerful, um, climactic event that happens, uh, across the last two episodes of the show specifically, um, that really, really pulls, um, her grief, the main character, I believe her name was Danny. Um, it pulls her grief right front and center and she's forced to address it the whole entire show she spends a lot of time trying to distract herself and trying to run from that grief uh avoiding conflicting um avoiding confronting her conflicting feelings about what happened and uh i love how it it kind of forces her 
uh, to address those things before she herself can truly move on. Um, and it, it was, again, just, it was a great way to, um, slow burn a horror story wrapped around uh, a love story as well great show great great show next up is uh midnight mass which um i'm not gonna front like i i did not i had zero intention of watching this show but I remember, um, <laughs> I remember coming home one night and, uh, Maria was like two episodes into it. And of course this show, um, strikes a chord and it tugs at her heartstrings themselves because the show is about, um, you know, religion and religious, uh, overtones and, and it has a religious theme all throughout. And, uh, of course from her background and, education and teaching in a Catholic school. She, she naturally gravitated towards this show. And, um, man, I remember the first couple episodes, I'm like, ah, this, this does not, this does not seem good, but I knew that it was from Flanagan and I'm like, okay, there, there's got to be a larger story at play here. And man, I fucking loved this show. So Bly Manor, is a little bit of a slow burn when it gets to, you know, or when it comes to the storytelling and unveiling the, the, the big payoff at the end. And, um, midnight mass makes Bly Manor seem like, uh, (laughs) it's a turbocharged thrill a minute, Michael Bay action film comparatively. So Midnight Mass, you will struggle with if you are not a fan of just slow burn character and relationship development, because that is what this show is at the center of it, though, there is a theme um, at play, and that is essentially um, cautiously being faithful. Um, and and that is to your relationships, your personal relationships, and of course, to religions as well. There are so many people in this isolated island, um, that just kind of blindly follow the leader of this church, um, uh, Monsignor Pruitt, um, who is, uh, the the main character is an older priest at the beginning of the show and then morphs into something entirely different down the line uh which i i have i know i said in the open that i may get a little spoilery but i am avoiding that in case you guys out there haven't seen it but um there's a very very big (laughs) very big twist in this show and um it's one of those things to where like the payoff and when they finally reveal it, it's such a big, like, holy shit moment that you have no choice but to finish the story. Um, and there are there. Oh, my God. There are some scenes in this show with dialogue amongst the characters. And again, I'm a sucker. I'm a sucker for dialogue. There is a scene where a young lady who was paralyzed gets to confront or address 
the person that caused her paralysis. And you want to talk about an emotionally powerful scene. My God, it was gripping. And I hung on to every single word. And those actors and those acts, that actress specifically did a wonderful job of elevating the tension and emotional aspect of that scene. It was brilliant. And there's another scene where um, Riley and I forget the other character's name. It's a man and a woman. They're talking about what they think happens um, when you die. And I will avoid spoilers, but Riley in particular talks about this dream he has where he's on a boat and the water is calm and he doesn't know where he's going specifically. And he's just on the boat and there's this calm and he sees the sun start to rise and then there's nothing. And there is, there is a scene right at the end of episode four or maybe episode five that gives you (laughs) why he doesn't actually ever get to see the sunrise in his dreams. And it is terrifying and it is horrible, but it is fucking amazing. It is so incredible. And the choice that he made leading up to that moment is is just masterful. Um, Midnight Mass is, uh, it's up there. I'm not going to give you my official rankings of the five shows until the very end of the pod, but it's up there for sure. Um, again, the, the characters that they chose, everybody did a great job. Um, the gentleman that played the priest was excellent in conveying his conviction to his beliefs, but also his self doubt in uh, discovering that maybe just maybe he had it all wrong. Um, But it was, you know, too late for him to actually reverse course at the point that he just made that discovery in the townspeople and how they choose to follow uh, the priest and, and his beliefs and, and his message and his wording. It's just a, an overall, just a, a really, really good show. And um, yeah, man, it's up there. I, I love the, the religious overtones. Um, I love that they are not shy or um, bashful about addressing how sometimes religious folk can be hypocritical in their beliefs Um, and also blind. There is a character, uh, specifically a a woman named Bev, who is literally the definition of someone who blindly follows their faith, no matter what. And against all odds will remain a believer, despite this overt, overwhelming evidence that perhaps the very thing that you've based the foundations of your belief on, Um, could be the exact opposite of what you believe it to be. Midnight Club. Midnight Club was pretty solid. 
I enjoyed it. It uh it kind of took a turn from the the more serious tones of the previous Flanagan uh shows and took on more of a like a a, a late teeny bopper sort of vibe. Now the show is loosely based on a, a book um or I'm sorry, a series of books uh based off the same name and a lot of the episodes are um actual titles of the books in the line and the show itself is centered around a, a group of terminally ill children who are uh, are living in a um oh what's the word for it like long-term hospice care basically and uh each one of the children have a different affliction and um, as such they know it is highly unlikely that they're going to make it out of this home and uh, they get together after the uh, the main lady of the house goes to bed they form this club called the midnight club where they they hang out they drink wine and each one of them tells a story Um, most of the time it is uh, based on either events from their life or uh, just pulled from the actual pages of the uh, the books themselves. I liked I liked this show. I, I think that um, it was a great way to explore the complexity of um, of friendship and identity. And I think the biggest thing was you know kind of the the fear of the unknown right like it, it, it i can imagine it would be extremely emotionally and mentally taxing to be um of any age but particularly when you're young and to be diagnosed with something that you know there's no coming back from and you know you you only have so many days left and how do you spend them you know how do you live a normal life knowing that uh, your days are numbered. Um, and it, it, I, I think it did a, a really good job of that. And, um, again, same revolving cast of characters from the other show, but it also introduced, um, several new younger actors as well. Um, and I, I really, I really dug this. Um, it felt more like, hmm, I guess if if I had to compare it to anything, I would say um, it felt like almost like an like an eighties kind of uh, you know campy horror film. Um, definitely teen terror, um, lots of supernatural elements. Um, it's it's almost like um, for for my old heads out there, it's like. <laughs> If the Breakfast Club was mashed up with um, the scariest episode of the X Files that you can think of, right? Um, really good show, um, decent character development, and um, overall, um, really solid twist at the end there. Now, I am. This is the one and only spoiler that I'll give you. I am really bummed out at how this show ended and it ended very very cliffhangery and um cliffhangery not cliffhangery it was not uh <laughs> it was not angry 
because of a hunger at the edge of a cliff. Um, it ended with a really big cliffhanger and Netflix decided not to renew it for a second season. And my God, I would love to find out what happens next with the characters. Um, because it, again, it just the the story that was built up around them and uh, the the conflict was left open ended, and of course, again, the big mystery uh, about who the the main lady of the house was and is is still out there for interpretation. Um, now, if you are interested or curious about finding out how. Flanagan would have went into the second season and ended it and, you know, put a bow on it and everything. He did write a really, really lengthy uh, post over on his Tumblr kind of explaining what the plans were for a second season. Um, and it, it, it too was pretty stellar. I'm, I'm sad to see that it won't pan out. Um, but uh, it's still overall great show. Great, great, great show now lastly the newest project for mr mike flanagan was a uh it was a take on a classic uh, Edgar Allan Poe story um, and it took the original um, short story itself and flipped it and turned it into what I am going to say a modern day classic um, and, and that show of course is the fall of the house of Usher um, I think honestly if Edgar Allan Poe were alive today he would be extremely proud of the job that Mike Flanagan did uh, in showcasing this 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 show and this family and um, the secrets of the family and to what lengths people will go to protect their legacy. Um, man, this this show was just start to finish just a masterpiece it was a thrill a minute show um not slow burn at all um you had to really just strap in because they took off uh mark hamill fucking luke skywalker is in it and the role that he plays is just excellent it's ruthless cold-blooded just masterful in the perfect example of Mike Flanagan being able to write these characters that are so so incredibly complex um, that you really you have no choice but to end up rooting for them like yes Hamill's character in the fall of the house of Usher was make no mistake about it a human piece of trash but by the end of the show his conviction and devotion to the ushers like i i had no choice but to respect it it was fantastic um the fall of the house of usher though follows uh, a really really uh rich and eccentric family of multi-billionaires the ushers uh led by twin brother and sister madeline and roderick usher um they are the head of pharmaceutical pharmaceutical company and um they uh roderick himself has 
one, two, three, four, five children and um, a grandchild as well. And um, each one of the family members has their own particular, uh, I don't want to say sin because, you know, so many of them can, can be covered with, you know, multiple types of sins, but, um, each one has their own affliction. We'll say whether it is an addiction to sex or whether it is, um, uh, pride or, um, gluttony or, um, vain vanity. Uh, it's just, each character has their own particular quirk. And I love, I love how each episode explores the characters, the, the siblings, the children themselves, as well as telling Madeline and Roderick's story, as well as detailing Roderick's own descent into madness, while also revealing the relationship between himself and um, Augie, who is is the the gentleman that he's recanting this whole story to, and uh, oh, there's a <laughs> there's a scene there. Yes, my brain just melted thinking about it. There's a scene between Roderick and Augie specifically that Augie is grilling Roderick about his business practices. And uh, Roderick gives a speech about what normal people do when life hands them lemons versus what he did when life handed him lemons. And I have to say that is outside of the dialogue between Riley and his lady friend in Midnight Mass and outside of the dialogue between the young lady and the gentleman that caused her paralysis in Midnight Mass, this Roderick Usher monologue is the most well-written rebuttal to someone directly challenging your character that I have ever heard. It is so stellar. Like I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it. And uh I really if you if you take nothing else away from that show, um please lock in when he starts talking about that because it is incredible. It is an it is a great great piece of television. Um there's so much at play here, man, like grasping on to uh, the concept of power, relativity, and uh, relevance, and uh, control over an empire, and each episode ends so jarringly well <laughs> that by the time you get to that last episode, it is uh, you're just on the edge of your seat. Um, my one and only beef, actually, with the fall of the House of Usher is. I feel like the ending didn't stick the landing, but I am willing to overlook that just based on everything that happens up until that point. It is a great retelling of a fantastic Edgar Allan Poe story, and I think that you should all check it out. And uh, when you do, you reach out to me on uh, social media or wherever and let me know 
your thoughts. So, here we go. The final piece of the puzzle. Um, and I'm I'm actually going to plug this in to the podcast thanks to some editing magic because I got all the way to the end and I totally forgot to rank the shows. <laughs> so uh, this is some timey-wimey stuff. I'm actually recording this after I recorded the outro and everything, but as soon as I hit the... Uh, as soon as I hit the button to stop recording, I was like, shit, I forgot to give them my ranking. So here you go. Uh, Robbie Diesel's unofficial ranking for the Flanagan verse five shows from five to one. That means the show that I loved a little bit less than everybody else, all the way up to the show that I love the absolute most. So coming in at number five is Bly Manor was a great story um I loved the characters the ghosts the whole shot um I just it it, the the love story aspect of it kind of took me out a little bit and then the pacing of the show in relation to uh the story at large and the dialogue um just it, it wasn't executed as well as it could have been number four Midnight Club. Uh, great show, great theme, great stories. Um, I hate that it ended so, 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 so cliffhangery. And um, I really, really wish that we could have gotten a second season for it. I think that um, had had a, sec- a second season actually happened, I probably would have boosted it up to um, probably three, maybe even two. Um, what, what I read on Tumblr would have been an excellent way to conclude the story, but, um, it was not meant to be. And as such, it will sit in as number four for my, uh, my countdown here. Number three is a haunting of Hill house, uh, or the haunting of Hill house. It was a show that started all off. I love the pacing. I love the character development. I love the conflict at hand and, uh, overall, man, just a really, really great stellar show. Number two, midnight mass, the religious themes, the, the isolation aspect of the island. And of course the ending was so fantastic. Uh, and of course, again, the dialogue amongst the characters, the monologues, the speeches, everything just worked for this show is a masterclass in terror in horror. And of course, in blind faith, question everything and of course number one numero uno if you couldn't tell by how i introduced it in the actual show itself the fall of the house of usher it is a modern day classic everything about this show just works it's excellent new neo-gothic horror um i i think it sits alone in its own subgenre itself like the way that mike flanagan created this show and the characters and told the story because 
honestly, the show itself is so, so different. Like, I don't know how Flanagan was able to pull this show out from the short story that was The Fall of the House of Usher. It's just, it's masterful, it's brilliant, it's the pacing as well. Each episode ends on a stellar note. Um, the relationship between the family, the conflict at hand, uh, self-preservation of, of the, the Usher bloodline. All of those things are at play at once. And it's just, it's it's the perfect jambalaya of, of, of horror and um, dialogue. And I, I absolutely loved it. So... That's my rankings there. So number five, Bly Manor. Number four, Midnight Club. Number three, Hill House. Number two, Midnight Mass. Number one, Fall of the House of Usher. Number one, with a bullet. All right, guys, that's it. That's my breakdown and uh, my recommendation of the Flanagan verse. All five shows are available on Netflix right now. So if you still can bomb your, your friends or brothers or nieces or nephews, Netflix accounts, so you can watch these shows, they are all relatively binge uh, friendly. They are typically between like six and eight episodes each. And the episodes are between 45 minutes to like an hour long. So, uh, you know, you take the course of a month and uh, watch one show per weekend and you'd be good to go. You'll be all set with them by the end of the month. But um, definitely something that you should check out. Um, interestingly enough, uh, Flanagan himself has actually signed a deal over on Amazon Prime to continue to produce high quality, hopefully high quality content. And um, boy, I'll tell you what, the first project that they announced is going to be star studded and is going to be absolutely insane. And it is based off of a piece of work by Stephen King. So I'm very excited for that. Um, so stay tuned. We'll most likely write about that. And of course, We'll talk about it over here on the pod, which, of course, if you want to make sure that you hear about it the next time that we record about something related to Mr. Flanagan, then you need to make sure that you subscribe to the show. So make sure you hit that subscribe icon or follow button on however you're listening to me, uh, Apple Podcasts. Spotify, iHeartRadio, uh, Deezer, anything like that, man. Make sure that y'all are following and supporting the show. Make sure you're checking us out over on social media via at The Curated Culture on Facebook and Instagram at underscore Curated Culture over on X. You can check me out personally via at Robbie Diesel on X, Facebook, Instagram, Threads, TikTok, Snapchat, you guess you guess it i'm there um also check out youtube.com slash robbie diesel the curated culture.com all over the place there's tons of different ways to support us um i will catch you guys next week with a brand new episode next wednesday until then i appreciate y'all so very much for checking out the show i will catch y'all down the road peace Thank you.